the Greenland ice sheet melts at an astonishing rate. Australian heat wave kills hundreds of wild horses. Children in cages at our border. Another mass shooting. 14 hospitalized in a mass overdose. At least 2,000 species every year becoming extinct. Income inequality widening. And so it goes. And so it goes. And the headlines come like body blows. And the next day, there are more. Where does all this distressing news land in your heart, in your soul? We get up and make our coffee, feed the cat, have lunch with friends, attend to our family concerns, read novels, in the midst of what feels increasingly like an unraveling. As Yeats put it, things fall apart, the center cannot hold, the best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. In these days, are there times when you despair? Despair, the utter loss of hope. It's not something we talk about much, like hemorrhoids or our take-home pay. We take care not to bring it up in conversation. As Unitarian Universalists, it feels practically heretical to hang out in the company of despair. There's part of me today that felt terribly uncomfortable claiming the subject for today. I'm inclined to take the wheel of this sermon and take the first exit marked hope. The Reverend Rob Hardy's of All Souls Unitarian Church says his very definition of religion is people telling stories of hope, telling stories that sustain us, inspire us, stories that give us courage in difficult times. Is there any hope to be found in turning toward despair. Those of us who invest in certain kinds of spiritual teachings are counseled to raise our vibrations, not to give energy to the negative, lower emotions like fear and despair. In social justice circles, we are told that despair is a luxury of the privileged, the message is, if you have any privilege, how dare you waste a moment wallowing when you should be acting? There are people who are far less fortunate, and there you are, sitting stagnant on the sidelines. While well-intentioned, these messages can actually make things worse because we have no roadmap for what to do when, despite our best intentions and our best efforts, Despair stalks us. Joanna Macy, who you heard in our reading earlier, speaks to the colossal anguish that we face living in the world at this time. <coughs> so much grief, she says. But the thing is, it's carried by just about everybody. 
It's a great public secret that we go on with this ache inside of us about what is happening in our world. We think we're alone in it. We don't speak it. Today, we speak it. Today, we admit that many of us, maybe even all of us who actually pay attention with care to our world, wrestle with despair. Today, we name that wrestling as normal, maybe even necessary and sacred soul work. I've talked here before about my affinity for a type of therapy called internal family systems, or IFS. The model of IFS is that each of us have a core self, a self with a capital S that is unchanging. And no matter what, this core self is compassionate and creative and connected. But because we don't live in a perfect world and because we face physical and psychological threats and trauma, there are aspects of the psyche that emerge that are called parts. So each part that emerges is seen as protective, as trying to just help out the system. Some of these parts can do some pretty messed up things, but again, they're just trying to protect us. Personifying these parts as connected but distinct from the core self, that self with a capital S, can help us get a little bit of distance and engage the parts in a different way. The journey of healing with IFS is about really listening to each part in an attempt to understand how each part is trying to help us and protect us. So, what if we were to attend to despair with compassion, to accept that there is within many of us a part that lacks all hope? What if we listened with great curiosity to this despair rather than struggling to push it away or to shut it down? What might our despair be trying to teach us How might it even be seeking to help us? If my despair were given a voice, it would say, the world is messed up beyond the point of repair. There's no point in acting. Spiritual teacher Jeff Foster notes that phonetically, depressed is deep rest. Maybe in part, despair recognizes our weariness and exhaustion and is trying to protect our energy. Without hope, after all, there's no reason to get up off the couch. And the couch can seem to despair like a cozy and convenient answer to exhaustion. I think of those of you who have been engaged in justice work for decades. You who have fought hard for women's rights, racial justice, LGBTQ rights and voting rights. How exhausting it must be to witness what we are all witnessing now. Despair might jump in and counsel that you, dear, shouldn't get tangled up in that mess again. Listening to despair could result in recognizing the body and the soul's need for restoration. 
Despair could lead us to new life-giving self-care practices that make it possible to step away as needed, to recharge, and ultimately to re-engage in a different kind of way. My despair also shouts, things that you counted on, things that once seemed so solid, you can't count on them anymore. I used to believe that things in our country and our world would get progressively better. I used to believe that U.S. institutions and even our Constitution were rock solid. I used to believe that you could count on public officials and media institutions to be purveyors of truth. But what if this message from despair is protective? Because it may well be time to give up our reliance on stories, beliefs, ideas, and things that are not ultimately reliable. Perhaps despair can guide us to a new kind of faith, in something deeper, a hope beyond false hope. In the beautiful book, Bird by Bird, Anne Lamott describes the radio station KFKD. No children in here right now. KFKD is a station that plays two channels in a writer's head nonstop, 24 hours a day. In one ear, the station blares how fabulously talented you are. And in the other ear is a station that's all about how much of a hack you are. So to play with this metaphor, what if we were to imagine the twin channels of despair and hope constantly playing in our minds? And while it would be so awesome to think that we could just turn the despair channel off, we can't completely. So given that it may always be turned on and sometimes may blare difficult messages, The question becomes, can we mindfully recognize what despair is saying, but not give it permission to drive? Because please understand, we are not talking about giving despair a license to control our lives. And if you have been wrestling with despair and despair has gotten the other upper hand, please, please reach out for help. We may well need help to learn that we can talk back to despair. We can say, despair, you are welcome here. You have some really good information. I hear what you're wanting to teach me, and still I choose to act in accordance to my most deeply held values. Writer Rebecca Solnit says, taking action is the best way to live in conditions of crisis and violation. For your spirit and your conscience, as well as society. It is entirely compatible with grief and horror. In a recent viral video, a father from Paradise, California, is driving with his three-year-old daughter. She's chattering away from her car seat, and there are uncontained flames on either side of the road. "Uh Uh-oh, says three-year-old Olivia. We're going to get on fire. And the father says, we're doing all right. And then sings, baby, it'll be all right. If we look at the science and the data and what's happening around us, there's no promise that it'll be all right. 
that our way of life isn't threatened. But the Father meets this intense challenge with action, with great love and a peaceful spirit. What if deep within us is more resilience than we can imagine? What if we have the capacity to help those who need us, no matter what we may face as a community, personally, or as a nation? What if we have the ability to act wisely, even when things look terribly bleak? And what if, no matter what, we can keep singing? What if we can lovingly do what we can to protect those who cannot protect themselves? Our congregation will be looking at social justice options in the coming months. A clergy colleague here in town sent me a notice that there's an environmental group, Foothills Creation Care Alliance, and they're encouraging as many congregations as possible to create big, beautiful gardens gardens that will attract pollinators and gardens that will feed our neighbors. To that end, there's a training this week on how we can do this. Despair would say, seriously? A garden? We may be on the verge of near societal collapse and you want to spend your energy on a garden? What does your little garden matter? I would answer with Wendell Berry's poem. When despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night, the sound and fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water. I come into the presence of that stillness, and that stillness calms my soul. With gentle defiance, let's plant a big, beautiful garden. Let's teach our precious children how to grow beautiful things. The joy we take in that simple action will be one small but consequential answer to despair. Let every pepper that grows, every hummingbird that visits, let the bounty we share with our neighbors signal that we have not succumbed to despair's incessant calls. And in so doing, perhaps despair in our minds and in our hearts will quiet itself even just a little, knowing that it has a voice, but it is not ever the final word. Joanna Macy again says, what happens for people as they get real, when people tell the truth about what they see and feel and know is happening in our world, something so beautiful and so freeing starts to happen. We learn that despair is the covering of our love for our world. We crack it open by speaking it so that the love can be felt. The key is in not being afraid of our pain for the world, 
not being afraid of the world's suffering. Because if you're not afraid of it, then nothing can stop you. My friends, we can choose, even amid despair, to act energetically and with great love. We can choose to welcome new forms of joy, even as our hearts break. And we can choose to invest in the dance of this precious, precious moment, striving to live lives of integrity and compassion, even in these tumultuous times. Amen.